Welcome to Footnotes, created by Francis Garrett, a professor of Buddhist studies at the University of Toronto. Footnotes is a series of short lectures on research in the field. Each episode features an article or book chapter from an academic book. We aim to make topics in Buddhist studies research freely accessible to students and the public. This is Francis. Today I'm going to talk a bit about the article called Circumambulatory Reading, Revolving Sutra Libraries and Buddhist Scrolls, written by Charlotte Eubanks and published in 2010 in the journal called Book History. Our music today is a piece called Pumisparsha that was created by two Buddhist studies scholars and professors, Rory Lindsay and Fabio Rambelli. The piece consists of original music performed on the Sho and Gaku Biwa, which are two instruments used in the Imperial Court of Japan. These have been processed and combined with recitations of the Shakyamuni Mantra. This article is about a format of Buddhist book called a scroll, which is a type of rolled up paper on which text is written. Sometimes these scroll books could be as long as 10 feet when they're unrolled. The question that Eubanks starts with is, how did people read those? We've kind of assumed that people would start at one end, like the top, and then just continuously read along the scroll as it unrolls. But is this true? Our idea of how a scroll is read is based on examples in European history. But it, could it be in other parts of the world, such as China or Japan, that reading happened in a different way? Charlotte Eubanks is going to help us learn a bit about medieval Japan and its Mahayana Buddhist texts. She explains, to start out with, that in Mahayana Buddhism, groups that we might call cults began to form around particular sutras. Remember that sutras are a class of Buddhist texts that is said to report the speech of the Buddha. So they're stories in which the Buddha or a group of Buddhas are characters. In Mahayana Buddhism, these cult groups worshipped certain sutras. And for this reason, some scholars refer to Mahayana as a cult of the book. In this article, we're going to learn about the different ways that books are revered in Mahayana Buddhism, about what it means to read a book, and how this is related to the embodied practice of circumambulation, or walking around something in a circle. So let's start with what it means to read a book. Eubanks mentions the long-standing Buddhist practice of recitation, reading out loud. On the one hand, and also analytical reading, which Buddhists do in order to study a text or compose a commentary on it, on the other hand. In those kinds of cases, those are linear reading, meaning like we usually read starting at the beginning and going through to the end of a text. But she also talks about forms of condensed or representative reading, for example, like a mantra, which is a potent verbal formula that condenses a long scripture into a short syllable or phrase. So a short mantra, a few syllables long or even one syllable long, is meant to represent the reading of an entire text. And finally, there's something she calls circumambulatory reading. Circumambulation is the word for walking around some holy object. 
Eubanks' idea is that there's something called circumambulatory reading, and she ties that to what she calls spatial and embodied logics of ritual practices that have to do with these metaphors of circling and circling, turning and revolving. The first example of these metaphors in Buddhism and how they relate to reading that Eubanks explores in more detail is that of Buddhist cosmology. As some of you might know, the Indian Buddhist world thinks of time as a continuously repeating cycle. An era of time happens when a new being obtains enlightenment, becoming a Buddha, and this starts off the new cycle of time. That Buddha starts to preach or teach the Dharma, and Eubanks points out that this act of preaching is tied to various metaphors, like blowing a conch shell, raining moisture, beating a drum, or other things. These metaphors, then, are taken up as ways of reading sutras, which are said to be the speech of the Buddha, right? So, for example, drums are beat during sutra chanting, or chanting is performed during ritual bathing. Another metaphor of the Buddha's teaching is turning a wheel. And in fact, the Buddha's teaching in general is called turning the wheel of Dharma. And the Mahayana and other major traditions of Buddhism are therefore called vehicles with wheels, right? Yana means vehicle in Mahayana or, or Vajrayana, for example. So this fundamental metaphor of the wheel or of a circular movement through space is tied to various kinds of reading the Buddha's words. Another important example of circular movement is circumambulation, which is that common Buddhist practice of walking in circles around a revered holy object, usually a stupa. A stupa is a structure that's meant to contain the bodily relics of the Buddha or some other holy person. Now, in some cases, such as the example of the very important sutra called the Lotus Sutra, which is especially important in East Asian Buddhism, the text itself is said to be like a stupa. The Lotus Sutra itself, that is, is then equivalent to the body of the Buddha, because the body of the Buddha is like a stupa, the text is like a stupa, so the sutra text is equivalent to the body of the Buddha, and the sutra in the form of a scroll then is like a stupa containing the body of a Buddha. This is how Eubanks comes to suggest that reading a text is like circumambulating a stupa. In some sutras, this is actually made totally explicit. For example, the Diamond Sutra states that any place this sutra exists is just like a stupa, and all beings should venerate it, make offerings, and circumambulate it, scattering flowers and burning incense at that place. That's a quote from the text itself. As a person circumambulates or walks around a sacred object, whether a stupa or a text, that object is thought to be sort of alive, and it activates the potential for enlightenment in that person. In that way, the text actually exists also in the person's body. The 13th century Zen master Dogen writes that, quote, The reality of hearing, keeping, accepting, expounding sutras, and so on, exists in our ears, eyes, tongues, nose, in our organs of mental and physical perception, in the places we go, and those where we listen and speak, end quote. I love this idea and think it's so beautiful because it really is talking about reading as a fully embodied act, as Eubanks explains it. 
She gives a few more examples as stories from Dogen's writings, where, for example, when he's asked to recite the Buddhist canon, his response is to get down from his meditation chair and circumambulate it. This is how he reads the Buddhist canon. Eubanks explains that all these various approaches suggest that the movement of body through space, or also the meditative breath moving through the body, those kinds of movement are actually physical enactments of reading. And this suggests that the process of turning and turning again results in this close connection or integration of sutra text and the embodied heart-mind. The article next moves on to a Buddhist architectural feature related to circumambulation and reading, which is called the Revolving Sutra Library. This is an eight-sided structure suspended on a pillar constructed inside a temple that contains Buddhist texts. It has handles around the outside of it, so this structure can be spinned around by people walking around it. It's said that turning this large library once around is the same as reading the entire Buddhist canon. Charlotte Eubanks describes a quite beautiful example of this revolving library as it appears in a medieval Japanese drama, where the turning of this sutra library is equated to the turning of the wheel of the Dharma, the teaching of the Buddha. Finally, toward the end of this article, Eubanks returns to the question of the scroll. She asks why the scroll format for books was maintained in East Asian Buddhism for so long, when in other parts of the world it had been replaced by the codex format, which is the book format we think of as a book now. Isn't it so much easier to read a book in the book format that we know rather than having to unroll a long scroll? You can read her discussion of the various kinds of book formats that were used in parts of the Buddhist world where she shows that people did have the technology and resources needed to make books in the codex format like our books. And there were lots of codex format books created by early Buddhists. So why did they continue making scrolls at all? Maybe it was partly just tradition and the fact that for many people, that's just how Buddhist texts were supposed to look. Or maybe it was because the material that scrolls were made of, silk and sometimes paper, were more durable. Or maybe it's actually easier to read Chinese or Japanese, which were written vertically on the scroll format. But it could also be something about this metaphor of turning the wheel of the Dharma. Unrolling and rolling a scroll is maybe close to the spatial movement of turning that are so tightly tied to the key practices of worship in Buddhism. As you unroll the scroll, which is made partly of fabric wrapped around a central rod, you're enacting that circular movement that's really similar to circumambulation or turning a sutra library, both of which are also tied to reading. I think this article has a bunch of super cool ideas in it, and I'll leave you now to think more about the idea of a text or a book existing inside the body and of how moving the body through space could then be a kind of reading.